Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea is on assignment and running the boards is Joey D's. Hi. Hello. It is Monday and that doesn't mean anything other than the fact that we got some special guests on today. A very good friend of the show is back with another writing adventure to talk about something in the cyberpunk horror sci-fi genres and then of course we will get to the geek sheet with vicky b vicky how can people get a hold of us get a hold of us via our website bjgeeknation.com it's gonna have our bloods podcasts and more 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 or 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 more or more just search bjj's geek nation on facebook twitter instagram youtube itunes and the odyssey yes so many ways to get a hold of us and uh, or even just listen to us. Check out that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. It's a great way to find us and uh, all sorts of different things out there if you want to listen to those. And, uh, you know, without any further ado, let's get right into this. We have our guests on the line, and I'm really excited for this. With me today, I'm very excited because I think the last time I had this writer on, this YouTube personality, this amazing person that I've known Gosh, for uh, I don't, I don't want to put it into years at this point in time, but uh, it was the last time we had Christina Horner on. It was to talk about her eighty uh, fourth Street Press uh, Monday Night Series anthology, um, Boys Book Clubs and Other Bad Ideas, I believe. Right, Christina? That is correct. Yeah, it was uh, actually just about a year ago. Yeah, and uh, since then, with 84th Street, you put out Boys Book Clubs and Other Bad Ideas, and then also The Mistletoe Paradox. And I love it because you never stop putting things together. I love the fact that you're always working on something, and you're back this time with something called Obsolescence, a dark sci-fi fantasy and horror anthology. And actually, this is a collaborative effort with you, and uh, who did you bring with us today? So I brought my longtime internet collaborator and friend, Alan Lestefka, to help me talk about our new project. Hello, everyone. Hey, Alan. How's it going, dude? It's going really well. How are you? I'm doing really good, and I'm really excited about this because once we get into the nitty-gritty of really what you're looking to put out here, it's really interesting to me. I mean, especially I've grown up with the uh, you know the cyberpunk, dystopian, dark future sort of things, and it seems that... This is going to be playing into the technology side, but in the fun way of having it as an anthology series, which means a whole bunch of different collaborators. Am I right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> that is great. So how did this come to be for you? Um, well, I uh, I published uh, my first novel earlier this year, and with that started a small press to publish it. Uh, so it's self-published or indie published. And... Uh, I'm a very slow writer, so if I want anyone to uh, remember that I exist by the time my second book comes out, I needed other projects to kind of fill in that space. And uh, I've always been a huge fan of anthologies, both anthology movies and anthology books. Um, I love that you can get a bunch of different stories, either all on the same topic or all in the same universe. And uh, I thought, you know, this would be a really fun project to work on. I could do, uh, you know, some cool things with some cool people. And that's when I started brainstorming the ideas for this and reached out to Christina to uh, invite her to work with me. Uh, 
um, you know, when I first started this, I, I talked to an editor of another anthology, and she told me that for the one month that they were open for submissions, they had over 700 submissions. Oh, and, no. <laughs> uh, I knew I couldn't read that many uh, by myself. So it was time to start looking for a collaborator. And uh, as Christina mentioned earlier, we've uh, worked on projects on and off over the last 14 years together, um, kind of met on YouTube and just in that space of, of, of collaborative online video. And then that, uh, you know, evolved into working on some music projects together and now some writing projects. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And like, Christina, how does how does something like this, because this seems a little bit um, different from um, what you've done with 84th Street Press so far? Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I have this sort of almost like, I don't know if Jekyll and Hyde is the right uh, <laughs> example, but like, I do have this sort of like very uh, opposite set of work that's i guess in my in my body of work so generally like what i'm known for is you know writing um and cultivating a community kind of in the young adult space you know i read a lot of young adult most of the things i write um in terms of i guess like long form fiction novels are in the young adult middle grade um genre but i have in the past couple of years done a number of freelance writing projects for various um actually like uh role-playing games and whatnot oh. and they're all sort of in the like dark horror twisted genre i've written for vampire the masquerade and i've written for really? um like cult and, and a few other projects and they're all this like really it feels really off-brand for me but it's actually been really fun to sort of like i don't know explore a new genre and get to flex sort of a different muscle um and so, yeah, I don't know. This project just felt like a really good continuation of that trend, I guess. Um, <laughs> and when when Alan first pitched the idea to me, it, I really got like um, Twilight Zone and sort of Black Mirror vibes. And I have been yeah. like a lifelong fan of those types of shows. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this and, and, you know, the chance to continue to branch out. And I mean, th that's really one of um, the big scary things about with uh, with technology in general. And if people want to check this out, um, first off, you can go to uh, our website, uh, our Facebook page, because we're sharing it all out there. But if you search on Kickstarter, it's Obsolescence, a dark sci-fi fantasy and horror anthology, and also um, obsolescencebook.com to get all of that information. And it's one of those things where you look at how technology has evolved, even in our lifetime. And I think I'm a little bit older than you guys, but not by much. But you guys have still seen how how quickly it's evolved. And a lot of the times, not even in real life for good. And so we're seeing that kind of play out. Do you feel that when either looking at submissions from people or even writing your own fiction, that sometimes it's easier to kind of even just pull from like the real world coming out right now? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, we've we've already gotten one of the submissions from our featured authors, and uh, you know, it was a really scary story about uh, how much we're willing to give up for convenience. And I feel that you know, almost daily, uh, some of the either privacy concerns or financial concerns that you're willing to just give up to get it faster or get it now or get it easier. Um, so yeah, I think real life influences a lot of the stories that we're going to get for this anthology. Definitely. I also like. I don't know. I have this 
box in my office that just has like I don't know a collection of old cell phones and like floppy disks <laughs> I can no longer get the content off of and I feel like you can just dig around in in that kind of like I, I can dig around in that box and just get inspired by you know some spooky elements of the fact that I have this like technology graveyard just in just in my room you know so I'm very excited to see all the different ways that people interpret this prompt and and you know how how it all kind of comes together well and i you just mentioned that i literally i was digging around in my attic and i found uh, a, a tower of cds from the first podcasts i'd ever put together so these are like on cds burned to like wave files so it's like one episode is like an entire like cd track and it's terrifying to think a it's it's me but it's me from like like 15 years ago like what's the difference there like that in a, is a horror story in itself to be perfectly <laughs> honest <laughs> definitely uh let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, people who um you have managed to uh to bring along with this some of the featured authors that you have uh sure we have uh 11 of them uh so there's going to be 20 stories overall uh 11 are going to be from the featured authors and then nine are going to be from open submissions so uh just general public can submit stories as well uh but we have um a couple i mean all of them are very exciting in different ways um but we have uh, uh adam caesar uh who wrote clown in a cornfield um and that that book did really well it's been optioned for a film and uh, he just wrote a sequel to it uh clown in a cornfield 2 that'll be out okay. later this month um so that's exciting uh, we have a couple authors who are just going to be breaking their debut novels next year. Uh, so Johnny Compton uh, has a, a novel coming out next year called The Spite House. And that'll be his debut. Uh, he's published a lot of short stories, which is how I found him through some of his shorts. Uh, but this will be his first novel. Uh, and, and Ai Zhang, uh, she's posting or publishing her first book next year as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool writers uh, doing some really great work. Um, Gabino Iglesias, uh, his book, The Devil Takes You Home, was released this month and is actually a book of the month selection. Oh, uh, which nice. is just huge. Yeah, that goes out to a quarter million people. We um, didn't know. We didn't know uh, <laughs> until I'm pretty sure that it, it launched like right before or even the same day as our first uh as our kickstarter yeah um, it was right around that time yeah yeah and i i'm an avid book of the month subscriber and so i went to look at the my picks for the month and was like wait a minute i know this author so yeah it's been some fun fun surprises along the way that's that's amazing just to, like to have that sort of like uh everything just kind of coming together at the same time sort of thing at that point in time because especially with like an anthology series and i mean you're talking about 20 different stories um, by 20 different authors. And what that means is, like you've talked about, like with anthologies, you get a taste of what this author can offer, um, and it's in the same genre, so you know, hey, I'm into this sort of thing, but maybe this will lead you to wanting to find more authors, different authors, or even like a different genre, because this might not be the same uh, genre that they're normally uh, normally writing out there. I'm really excited about because I think there's a lot of people who, if they haven't, if they haven't read a lot of fantasy or or sci-fi or horror, I feel like these are all genres that can kind of have a knee-jerk reaction where people might think like, "Oh, I don't read that." Um, but I'm really hoping that there's enough variety in this anthology that you know maybe maybe people will give you know a genre that they aren't uh, used to reading a chance and find out that there's actually something there for them. Um, and hopefully, you know, there's at least, you know, a story or two in there for everyone, or hopefully they like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then moving, I mean, even along the lines of like looking at the Kickstarter, there's plenty of rewards you can do. Obviously, you can pledge without a reward if you want to, but you can get a digital e-copy all the way up to, you know, paperbacks, hardcovers, the limited edition, different versions of the uh, the slip cases. Like there's a lot of different things that people can go if they're going to check out this Kickstarter, which is always fun because you want to be able to get something that is unique, but at the same point, you're still getting the same thing everyone gets, even if you go down to the PDF file. Right. Yeah. No, we definitely wanted to offer different perks at different levels. Um, and, you know, one of the cool things about the Kickstarter is that anyone who backs that will get the book three months before anyone else can, uh, before nice. it's publicly released. So it really is uh, something special for the backers of like, you know, not only do you get these really cool rewards to choose from, but you're also going to be able to read it months in advance of everyone else. And I, I know as somebody who enjoys uh, ARC copies of books that, you know, reading <laughs> before before it comes out to the public always feels a little special. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, with anything, it's like getting in their firsties is usually <laughs> the best part about all of it when it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we we have a lot of cool perks on the Kickstarter that I'm super excited about. I'm, I'm going to let Alan talk about, you know, like the book plates and, and having various authors put your name in their story. But I wanted to talk about my favorite perk, which is called Dearly Departed. Um so we are, Alan and I are going to co-write a companion story that will come in a zine um, that, you know, we just didn't want to put our own story in this book and take the spot that, you know, we can put <laughs> another author. Um, but we wanted to get in on the fun. And so there's only one available in the Dearly Departed level. And if you back at that level, we will murder you in our story. <laughs> Whoa, look at that. <laughs> in some fun, <laughs> gruesome, horrific way. Um, and so I, I'm really excited for that one and i really hope someone picks it and the the the, the entertaining part about that is if you're not uh, a huge fan of like the horror genre that might be something you're like oh my god why why would i want that but as a person who has been murdered in a comic book uh it's amazing it's really cool to be able to see and uh, insert yourself into that story in like the safest way possible because it's not real <laughs> yeah yeah exactly we'll have a lot of fun with that one i'm sure that is super cool i love that and tell us uh alan a little bit about like the book plates and such uh sure so we have uh signed book plates um these are special like stickers that go inside the book um and then we have the authors hand signing those so you can choose which of our featured authors you want to sign your book plates um we also have where you can have a name of your either your own name or friend or family's name uh, entered into somebody else's story uh so they will write a character and name them after you um or a name of your choosing and that's always fun just kind of see it in print um so if you don't we, want to get murdered yeah yeah <laughs> potentially i guess well, i guess we yeah. know what's gonna happen to that character that's a good point. um yeah we also have some art prints because while we do have three different uh hardcovers with the three different dust jackets um we know that that's a little expensive and some people wouldn't want three copies of the same book because the insides are all the same uh so we do have art prints of the three different covers that are available nice. so they're much cheaper to get that way uh easier to display easier to store um so th that's that's my favorite perk uh are the art prints i just i can't wait to get those and frame them and put them on my wall oh they look so creepy and so cool and people can check them out if they go to the kickstarter or obsolescencebook.com and like seriously like i was like looking through it and it was one of those where the first the first one you're like okay that is it, super creepy and then as it goes each of them like it, it, they took me aback a little bit you know <laughs> 
good. That's the intended effect. <laughs> exactly. I love. Yeah, we, we, we saved the really uh, horrific ones for the for the limited exclusive editions that are just in the Kickstarter. Because we figure bookstores and libraries might not want to face those out on the shelves, so uh, they got the standard cover, which is a little bit more, um, I guess, wholesome is probably the wrong word, but wholesome compared to the other two. <laughs> a little more palatable, maybe. There you yeah. Go. And, yeah, and these exclusive covers. Um, so one of them, you're you're only able to get these through the Kickstarter. One of them will be hand uh, numbered, and then the other one will be hand lettered. Um, and basically, when they're gone, they're gone. Um, so those are definitely super exclusive. But the art prints will still be available if people, you know, wish that they wish that they had them. Exactly. That's a perfect way to go about it. And this is, again, like I said, this is happening on Kickstarter. Whenever you're listening to this episode, it goes until August 31st. Uh, so keep an eye out on it and uh, definitely check our website. But you can go to obsolescencebook.com to get all the information, how it's going, and see if you can back it before the Kickstarter is up. Uh, another part about this is that is really cool that I'm really excited about, too, is you have an alum from American Horror Story doing the foreword. How how did this happen? <laughs> um, so I'm currently producing an indie horror film. Um, and oh, nice. uh, Naomi Grossman from American Horror Story was uh, cast in the film. And so uh, as part of the meet and greets and that, you know, we were chatting and uh, uh, I found out that she did writing in addition to acting. Um, and so she showed me some of her writing and I loved it and then mentioned the anthology that I was working on and asked if she might want to write the introduction or forward. And uh, she was very excited to, to participate. So that was that was awesome. Oh, that is awesome. I just seriously like I uh, I love I first off, I love the the indie book writing. I love the indie filmmaking. Some of my favorite stuff has been uh indie filmmaking. I think I mean even with like Christina, that's essentially how we ended up um even like coming together through both your video gaming with like Team Hypercube, but also with Job Hunters. And so yeah. like having having that and doing the indie filmmaking is some of my favorite stuff of all time just because you can bring that and i just love the fact that that's bringing all of this together yeah, yeah. It, it really worked out well and like this will be my first experience with an indie film I, i've you know i've done a lot of online videos was on youtube you know 15 years ago but um <laughs> yes yeah, this, this is my first foray into to actual filmmaking and uh it's been quite the experience so far that is awesome. I love all of that stuff. And I mean, seriously, like the creativeness between um, all of this, I'm very excited to see what's going to be happening with obsolescence before we get out of here. Now, there's always like, Christina, you talked about your um, your treasure trove, your mausoleum of uh, cell phones out there. Is there <laughs> uh, is there technology out there for whatever reason, either both of you that really is is like the ultimate creep out sort of factor at this point in time, like the things that really kind of creep you out. Because I'll be perfectly honest, targeted ads creep me out a lot. And it's just the simple fact of the matter is I can just be talking with somebody and then all of a sudden everything just starts popping up. What I was talking about that that is really like just the fact that everyone's listening all the time. And that we've all just accepted that as kind of my whole black mirror fear moment sort of thing. Do you guys have anything along those lines? 
I mean, it's funny because I'm the exact opposite. I love targeted ads because then I make sure I don't miss anything that I truly want. You know, anytime a new artist that I enjoy puts out a new album or a new film is coming out, I'm, you know, they've got me down. They've got me pegged and I, I'm always shown things that I that I wish I would have seen. So, uh, but I think for my, for me, the the thing, uh, deep fakes, deep fake video, and that's gotten so good. And that, uh, you know, you, you have no control over somebody else using your likeness and your personality and your voice. It's just that, that creeps me out the most that's fair yeah this this is a tough one but i don't know i um i listen to a lot of like true crime podcasts and stuff and so the concept of like i don't know just your phone is just tracking like everything this is similar to yours i guess but Mm. like your phone is just tracking everything you do and everywhere you go and you can basically download like a map of like your whole life basically (laughs) like there's just so much information like if you really did want to like disappear it'd be very hard It'd be very difficult. Yeah, I mean, on the opposite side, I mean, if you're listening to all that true crime stuff, you kind of realize that, well, you kind of hope it would dissuade people just because of the fact how easy it is to get caught nowadays. But yeah, like, I guess that, I guess there's so many true crime prod- podcasts out there because, I mean, people don't really realize that, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know if that's any, <laughs> any sort of solace there at that point in time. Actually, you know... Oh. You know what actually really freaks me out? I'm going to be perfectly honest now. Those robot dogs from uh, Boston Dynamics. Like, I'm going to be honest with that. And I think it was because of Black Mirror. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Just like that whole episode where they were being chased by the robot dogs. And then all of a sudden they were like, I think this is a good idea. Let's make these. Yeah, or the robot dogs that they've now attached like machine guns to yes! the top of, and it's like, wait, what? Just the way they move, like I guess, yeah. like yeah, as as like AI and and like robotics get more and more advanced, like I don't know, it's creepy to not know, like I, I don't know, when things get too human looking, it's just like, oh, I don't know about that. And I've I've literally recently just gone back and watched the Terminator, both uh, T1 and T2, and let me tell you, you know, that's not really the future I'm looking forward to. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But to be honest, I'm cool with like watching it and also reading it. So something like obsolescence is going to be great. And I'm really excited to see how this is going to come out. Like I've stated before, obsolescence is on Kickstarter right now. If you go to obsolescencebook.com, you can get all the information. And this ends on the 31st of August. So you've got a couple of weeks as of this recording to check it out. Definitely check out all of this stuff and see what's going on with it. Christina, Alan, seriously, guys, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having us on the show. And uh, I just wanted to add um, that open submissions will stay open until September 16th. So that's a few weeks after the Kickstarter ends. So if you've got an idea, if you feel inspired by what we were talking about in this episode, uh, you can check out our website, obsolescencebook.com, and um, submit a story of your own, and maybe you'll get picked. And as of this date that we have put out this podcast on the 15th it is available to do open submissions so do check all of that out thank you so much again obsolescencebook.com where you can get the information or just search even just for our page the facebook page for bj shay's geek nation we got the link up there as well for the kickstarter and you've got until the end of the month and now it is time for the geek sheet with vicky b all right vicky what's going on uh, searching through the Facebooks, because that's what I do most of Are my we day. looking at memes again? 
Always. <laughs> but also articles. Sometimes there's some good oh, stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Am I the A-Hole uh, subreddits and posts <laughs> those and ones, stuff. Yeah, those ones are always super intriguing because most of the time, yes, you are the A-Hole. I like to listen to them, too. If you go to YouTube, you can find a whole bunch of people reading them, which might be a thing I do someday. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I like to listen to them when I'm doing stuff. It yeah, feels like I, someone's in the room. I'm basically a more complicated chihuahua. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> But I did come across this article where it's 25 actors who seemed to be miscast when they first announced it. Oh. But they ended up killing it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I, I have one in my brain right away. Okay. And uh, I don't know if this will be a number one, but it was a big one because I'm really glad that Twitter wasn't around in the mid-90s. Because mm-hmm. when they announced that they were doing Interview with the Vampire and that they said that Tom Cruise would be the vampire Lestat, <laughs> people literally lost their minds because they're like, Tom Cruise is too pretty. Oh, he's just a dumb, boring, big budget actor. He can't do this thing. And then even Anne Rice, who did not like him to do that, had to kind of eat crow and be like, no, no, he's he's really good. He's really good at this. <laughs> and he, good. he was a fantastic Lestat. He was an amazing Lestat. I will say he is not on this uh, this list. Interesting. However, this came from like a Reddit thread where they were asking like what what are people's opinions? What did like, okay. they think? Uh, and ask Reddit, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the first one, or like the one that got like I guess the most votes and stuff, was Patrick Warburton in a series of unfortunate events. I didn't realize he was in this one. Oh, I was about to say if they say it's because of him in the tick, I'm like you're wrong. No, because he's amazing. He's in amazing that. in everything. That's but what I, I thought. Like, yeah, he's you should never be miscast in anything. Yeah, like I'm guessing he was probably a little bit more serious. Like Lemony Snicket, I'm guessing this is the one with um, Jim Carrey, the OG one. Yeah. So I mean. I never saw it. I can't really say. No, but it's the Netflix adaptation. Really? The yeah. one with um, Neil Patrick, Neil Patrick Harris. Harris. Yeah. Neil Patrick Warburton. Um, I mean, I'm here for it. I'm always here for Patrick Warburton. I love his voice. Yeah. I get That's surprising. Yeah. Uh, the next one that was very highly voted is one that, I mean, I never really had an opinion on it because I was a little kid and this was what it was. This is who he is. Him and Val Kilmer. Michael Keaton as Batman. Uh, yeah. I was too little to really... Well, and I, I was, I mean, I was too young really to even get into like free, uh, figuring out why people were mad about it. But I have read about this in the past, and it essentially is he doesn't have the physique of a Batman. Which, I mean, doesn't really matter because you got the rubber suit. Exactly. And that was the thing, too. It was just that, like, oh, well, he was an okay Bruce Wayne, but... How is he going to do all the action scenes? And I think what uh, one re- one redditor commented it's like I remember reading that his Beetlejuice performance performance sealed the deal because they saw him doing angry scenes. So I'm guessing like beforehand, he might have like I remember he did what was it uh, du- Duplicity or something like that yeah. and Mr. Mom or yeah. something like that. So I'm a lot wondering- of comedies and stuff. So they were just like, can he even do a serious role? That and makes then, sense. And then absolutely he did. Do you have one that off the top of your head or are you still thinking? My gosh, I can't think of one. The problem is I'm just so used to people being who they are after yeah. they, you know, get a role. I'm trying to think of one that would be miscast. I know, know a lot like a lot of people were freaked out with like Heath Ledger when they first announced him being Joker and now like everyone just uh, like that, obsessively like only Heath Ledger. Because that came off of the heels of Brokeback Mountain mm-hmm. and a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, he can only play this one character." And you're like, "No, he's an actor. Like, he can play a lot of different characters." That's what do- I do romantic teen comedy with 10 Mm -hmm. things i hate about you he could do everything yeah r.i.p uh one of those a lot of these are going to be actors who we've seen in like 
comedic roles take on a non-comedic role. Ooh, so maybe like a Jim Carrey or something in, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a couple of the movies that he was in. Like, I know like The Majestic didn't do very good, mm-hmm. but a lot of people did actually like that one. And that was a bit of a ser- more serious role for him. So this person writes, I thought that Jim Carrey in The Truman Show must have been an error because he's a comic. But in the end, I was so wrong that I was uh, I reviewed all my life choices and felt like the worst human being in existence. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, which in Italy is called uh, If You Leave Me, I Delete You, was the same thing except better. Incredible movie. Every time I hear that Alexander Pope quote, I begin crying. My thing with like uh, I love it when I see a comedian or like a com- comedic actor play a serious role, I'm more intrigued. And I and I really want to watch Fargo for that reason because of Chris Dude, Rock. Yeah. And I, I haven't I, seen the season with him. And actually, I think I watched the first episode, then I forgot to go back and watch it. But he, yes, he is menacing and it's cool. And I do love Fargo, like all mm-hmm. of the different seasons and the movie and all of it. Like it's done so well. That you really do enjoy what's going down, and I think I saw that as a Joe uh, Keery uh, is going to possibly be in Fargo in the next season. I believe. Oh, I don't even know. Uh, which we remember obviously from uh, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, that'd be cool. Uh, another one on this list. Do you guys watch Parks and Rec? I did, but it, it's same. It's along the same lines of like uh, The Office. Mm-hmm. I get like this anxiety and this like secondhand embarrassment yep. for all the idiot characters like you mean well but you're just an absolute idiot and like right. with the office of like steve carell like that first episode i'm like i can't i can't handle this i'm <laughs> out i cannot do this well they're the one they're saying is rob lowe as chris uh trigger and the thing is like rob lowe has said that like he is a pretty face. He's like, mm-hmm. I am a comedic actor in a leading man body. Yeah. Because he's well-shaped, even to this day, like he's an older man. He's like, a beautiful man. He's still a very beautiful man. <laughs> uh, but he is really, really funny. And it's nice to see him not be a bad guy because I remember seeing him as a bad guy. Uh, I don't, was it... Uh, Black Sheep or was it Tommy Boy? One of the two. Uh, gosh, he was one of those. Also in Wayne's World, too. That's right. Or so, not, well, it was Wayne's World as well. It was the first yes, Wayne's World. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, he's the good-looking bad guy. Yeah. But, like, I love seeing him as, like, a good-looking, comedic, but sweet guy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun, too. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Cash and Walk the Line. And I think a lot of people were freaking out uh, over Joker as well. Yeah. And, I mean, like, Joker was great. It was a good movie that I'll see once. I feel that... The sequel that it's been put out there was a joke in itself. I don't think it's real until I see it. And then even when I'm watching it, I'm going to be like, this isn't real. They, <laughs> they're just they're still pranking me at this point because it's a musical with Lady Gaga. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, I same. mean, maybe it'll be amazing. Who we'll knows? See. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I, I, have, I have very little faith. Uh, John Travolta is Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction. And that was the resurgence of his career because mm-hmm. it was he was doing the Look Who's Talking movies. Oh, I where love he was, those movies. Which are fantastic, but, well, I the, mean. The third one was okay. <laughs> I Was that one the one with pets? Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. But it was like he was in those types of movies at that point in time. I just realized that Pulp Fiction is not the first movie he was with Bruce Willis in. It was Look Who's Talking. Oh, my gosh. Bruce Willis did the voice of the baby. That's right. <laughs> Weird. Mind blown. And then he gets killed by him in the movie. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is that is the circle of life right there. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt Damon is Jason Bourne. Yeah, because again, of the same thing. He doesn't Was quite it- look like an action star. 
And what didn't you do like Goodwill Hunting and all that before yeah. Jason Bourne? It was very serious stuff. It's like, how is this guy going to be? How is this guy going to be an action person? And then you're like, oh, very well. He was really good at it. Uh, Patrick Stewart as John Luke Picard in the Star Trek sequels, which somebody says, I recall some interview regarding Patrick Stewart's shiny dome. <laughs> and one of the producers <laughs> asked him, he's like, by the 24th century, wouldn't they have a cure for baldness? It's like, yeah, but they wouldn't worry about it. And yeah, and the reply <laughs> summed up the idealism of Star Trek pretty well. It's like, by the 24th century, no one cares if you're bold. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even remember. I think they did some interview or something with a bunch of the cast. I think actually Riker was supposed to be the captain. They all interviewed for all the different parts because that's what you do. Oh, you yeah, know? absolutely. And and they were like, well, we like Patrick Stewart better, but can we get away without a wig? And then they put him in a wig and they're like, the wow. Wig, like, you can <laughs> Google no. image search yeah. the wig shots and they yeah. just like... you. Like, having him being bald is the same thing as you're like, I can't see a person in that role. It's like, I can't see that man with hair. I just can't. Mm. Yeah. And they're like, you know, just get rid of it. It's fine. It's and like when you see Vin Diesel with hair or I've any never of them. done that. I don't even want to Google that one. Oh, he's got, like, curly, curly hair. Like, um, <laughs> like really thick hair. Oh, just keep it shaved, please, Because he's of African-American descent. Oh, I didn't. Oh, like, wow. Like, I think a small amount or a quarter or something like that. But yeah, he's got that kind of hair. And it's awesome. He is Groot. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of today I learned in there's, this one. There's a there's a video of him with hair break dancing back in the day, like a break dancing tutorial <laughs> movie or video. Yeah, pretty awesome. <laughs> All right. Another one, another comedian turned more of a serious is Will Ferrell in Stranger Than Fiction. I started to watch that and yeah, then I, I gave like up. I didn't, I didn't like that one. And I'll be perfectly honest. I don't like Will Ferrell as a leading man. I think mm-hmm. he is great as like a side. Like he's kind or of like. Duo. Yeah. Like, I feel that he's like a good mashed potatoes, but you need a person to be a good steak. Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't want, I don't want him to be the main focal character. The only one that is a difference to that is Anchorman, mm-hmm. because I think he's really good as Ron Burgundy in the first movie. I don't know yes. about the second movie. But it's like one of those where it's just like, he's good for a little bit, a little bit of flavoring, but Unless yeah. it's voice acting, then I think he kills it. I loved uh, Megamind. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, as well as what was, like, I really like it. It's one of the dumbest movies he did but it's one of my favorite of his movies which was Blades of Glory or uh, I yes. think so yeah yeah it was the ice skating one with yeah. John oh, John Heater like every single one of his movies are pretty much the same whether it's basketball NASCAR whatever but I only I never really saw Talladega Night so I didn't I don't have that love like everyone else has for it yeah Blades of Glory you are correct on that yep. one yeah yep yep uh, this one I really want to see because I've heard I've I've gotten to do a little bit of research by research I mean listening to Bailey Sarian's uh, <laughs> murder mystery and makeup on her is Charlize Theron as Eileen Warnos. Oh, is that a was monster? Yeah, monster. And that I just remember is because like oh Charlize Theron is so She's beautiful. Gorgeous. And then they made her look really bad. Oh yeah, she like, gained fake teeth and stuff. Oh, yeah, she gained like thirty pounds for it and shaved her eyebrows. Or at least dyed oh. them very light. Shaving your eyebrows will go a real long way to make you look very al- alien. Gaining yes. thirty pounds is hard too. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's true too. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like but... eyebrows. Eyebrows are horrifying <laughs> if you don't have them. You're like you're fat. And she got like re- like really like a lot of uh, recognition for that role too. So yeah. I like she can do anything. She's amazing. All right, one more. Mm, okay, how about this one? I like this one. David Tennant as Purple Man and Jessica Jones. Because everyone was so used to him being like goofy Doctor Who, but not yes. a bad guy. Not to like, I mean, the purple, like the character, he it, it worked for him, but he truly was evil in like a weird childish way. Yes. Because he was always so used to getting what he wanted. And so he well, was like, when well, you why can just can't tell, I? Because you can just tell someone to do something and they do it. 
yes, I would absolutely abuse that. This is why you don't give me superpowers. Right. And you see that. <laughs> but he's he, had that since he was a kid. So in a weird way, he still had the mind of a kid. He's never grown up from that because he always gets what he wants. But he was still like, it's weird because it's like you're not pure evil because you didn't know better, but you're still pure evil because you did some heinous things. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah, no. But. Yeah, that one. And you know what? Oh, man, maybe I should go back. I really did love him in that. Mm-hmm. I think Jessica Jones was a really, really good series. And I kind of hope they bring her back for stuff. Same. Even if it's just like, if they do Defenders, maybe even switch out, maybe not have Iron Fist. And just, yep. I just want to <laughs> see her back. She yep. was fantastic. 100%. Uh, you can check out the rest of the list. I'll post it on our Facebook page. And until next time, stay nerdy.